And the Google Glass would help them to navigate to the shelf which uh, a product needs to be placed. This just started in January to February timelines and then in May we were able to build and deploy a complete end-to-end -end setup for it. So uh, you can literally build your own machine learning image processing models and deploy them on the edge. It can also uh, detect the QR code better than the other uh, image processing libraries out there. Hey everyone, welcome to the Bol.com Tech Lab podcast. We share our experience with you, peeking behind the screens of IT and tech in general at Bol.com, the largest e-commerce platform in the Netherlands and Belgium. We are sharing our approach to IT, e-commerce and retail platforms. The hosts of the show, Peter Paul van der Beek and Peter Brouwers. And welcome back to the Bol.com Tech Lab podcast. It's a privilege to have you again with us uh, today. So Peter, exciting topic again today, right? Yes, yes, I think so. I believe so. Um, yeah, in Bol.com, and if you enter the building, uh, we have an uh, an area which we call the Bol.com Museum. It's next to uh, the in uh, the in store of Albert Heijn. Uh, but there was this week in Bol.com that it wasn't a museum; it was uh, a pop-up warehouse. And yeah, unfortunately, I wasn't able to join Bol.com that specific week, so I only saw the pictures uh, later on on uh, on our internal uh, workplace. Um, but this this pop-up warehouse triggered a lot of questions with us. So uh, yeah, it was time to uh, to invite the guests and uh, to ask these questions like, okay, creating a pop-up warehouse, why did we do it? And well, we did it because of a specific uh, Google Class implementation. So uh, how much time did it cost to develop such an implementation? Why are we doing this? Is this totally new in the market? Yes or no? Uh, Peter Paul, time to discuss this with the guests and uh, find out everything about this, uh, this pop-up warehouse in our office. Yeah, because it was a lot of buzz. I, I was actually in the office on Monday and when all my colleagues came back from lunch, then they said, oh, you really have to go there. You really should visit it. So that was awesome. That was really a fight. So let's, uh, yeah, let's introduce some of the people who were involved uh, in this. So we have Duran uh, Bolmos. He's an uh, AI and ML practice lead uh, at Google for the Benelux. We have uh, Niels de Vries, who's a data scientist at Bol.com, but in logistics, mainly focused at stock allocation. We have uh, Meli Gultekin, also a software engineer at Bol.com in the Desire to Buy uh, area. So, yeah, welcome. Great to have you uh, with us today. Thanks. Thanks. For Thanks. Thank you. Hey, yeah, so, so there was uh, like a, a demo uh, with a Google Glass in a, in a warehouse uh, environment. Can someone of you describe what was what was was actually created and what uh, our uh, colleagues could experience there? So basically, we developed uh, a demo specifically um, in, in which we try to show uh, what we can do with the Google Glass uh, within the operational processes of a warehouse. So we simulated a few processes in the warehouse focused on. Uh, uh, the, the picking process and also uh, the outbound process. Um, and we try to incorporate the Google Glass to automate some processes. So it was focused on, um, for example, automatically doing some administration for someone, but also uh, a little bit of navigation um, and um, yeah, adding the required information to do the picking and uh, the put away process. 
Can you explain a bit what, what it means, the, the picking process and the, and the outbound process? Try to visualize it. Yeah, <laughs> by, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah sure. I'm not familiar with the warehouse. Yeah. Yeah, so actually um, it all starts uh, with the, 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 the put away process where somebody uh, needs to, well, shelf certain products in the, in the, the shelves like, uh, like we have in our warehouse. So basically, if somebody entered our uh, warehouse, they would get a trolley with a tote or a box that is filled with some products. And the Google Glass would help them to navigate to the shelf which uh, a product needs to be placed. So it would uh, show them the location and it would automatically indicate what product needed to be shelved where. Um, and it would do automatically the administration of that put away process for the uh, participants. Uh, and the same actually, so, so the picking is actually the opposite. So uh, once you have placed all the products on the correct shelves, you would automatically uh, go into the picking process where you needed to pick the right products uh, that was uh, required for the participants. Okay, so that, that that's clear and, and now, yeah, the Google Class uh, comes in. So, yeah. So, um, yeah, the the story there is also a little bit interesting because um, yeah, at Google we have these, let's say, internal enablement sessions, and then at some meeting that I just realized that uh, Google Glass is not there, uh, but it's uh, it has a different shape and form, uh, literally as well. And then uh, we are right now positioning. Uh, Google Glass not to consumers but to businesses and then apparently there are a few engagements happening uh, left and right and then it has also very powerful machine learning capabilities embedded in as well so that's why uh, I was quite impressed by it and then I uh, I have regular meetings with uh, with uh, with Paul.com I have a close relationship with Eric Weber and then I was just showing him look what I found and then at some point I was able to get my hands on it as well and then I just show him this and then like I and I told him what is capable of doing it. And he was like super psyched about it. And then I was like, why don't we just do a, some sort of a project about it? And he was like, let's just do it. And then uh, I was like uh, literally impressed by the pace and the acceptance of the bold.com on that matter. But then this just started in January to February timelines. And then in May, we were able to build and deploy a complete end-to-end -end setup for it. So uh, and then uh, it's and then like we didn't you know like we didn't even use any partner solutions or anything. It was everything that was built in house and in a very short time. So uh, it was quite impressive. Yeah, awesome. You mentioned also that there are some ML capabilities in the Google Class because that sounds well, that sounds quite quite impressive. Yeah, I mean uh, we used to some extent uh, already like the QR code scanning. And also the the speech to text uh, capabilities as out of the box, but then uh, to be honest, it does way more uh, than that. So uh, you can literally build your own machine learning image processing models and deploy them on the edge, and then it can automatically, for example, blur uh, blur the background and then just highlight the object. So for example, uh, if you have a we, can put a pose detection algorithm on the Google Glass itself, and then it can create an overlay on the on the glass itself, highlighting what the pose of the individual is. 
and many more capabilities. So name a machine learning model, object detection, object classification in real time, it can do that. And uh, it has a quite uh, impressive capabilities built on top. But then for this demo purposes, we just uh, wanted to use the, like the simplest use case. Uh, and then that was the QR code scanning as well as speech to text. <laughs> can, you can you explain that the QR code scanning and the, the speech to text? How do you use that in this specific uh, processes that Niels just described in the warehouse? Yeah. So uh, in the warehouse, what we have uh, created together was that uh, we just put uh, relatively large QR codes, uh, barcodes on the books and then uh, on the boxes, and then uh, the end user was supposed to be able to find those boxes and either to pick them up from their tray and then put it on the shelves or from the shelves to the tray back itself. And then uh, when the, when the, it's, imagine that you have a large warehouse and then you have to have a lot of, let's say, different boxes to scan from. This was automatically highlighting where the box is with a green box, uh, green box right around the QR code. And that was automatically done with the machine learning, uh, embedded machine learning uh, models inside. That's the, that was a QR code, a scanning code one. And then for the speech to text one, uh, the device itself comes with pre-installed speech to text API on it. And you don't even need a uh, internet connection for it. It just calls the, you know, it's embedded in the hardware. So uh, it just calls, you can call the API and then it converts uh, text into uh, speech into text and from there on you can just build your logic around it yeah maybe to add a little to to that so um the, the qr codes was sort of a, a shortcut i mean you can use different technologies like for example beacons to navigate through the correct shelves but the qr codes they are super convenient and yeah it's really easy to develop on top of it and yeah, as uh, Turan also said, like we had a lot of products in your trolley, you can easily draw those green bounding boxes around the correct product. And if you were, and also the red bounding boxes for about, yeah, around products that you shouldn't be picking or shelving. So that was really convenient that we also kind of used the QR codes to draw a green overlay to the correct shelves. So if you needed to be uh, navigated to a certain shelf, once we uh, identified the correct shelf, we can we were able to uh, yeah show green overlays on the shelf such that the user know uh, or yeah that he knows that he's in front of the right shelf. And maybe I might also add something about the ML kit for the barcode QR scanner. And um, because when we started first, we actually uh, didn't use the ML kit barcode scanner first, but just use the a library that we are using on ball.com right now for you can use it on search for example uh, but that was just the image processing library so it didn't have the ml kit capabilities and and there were some issues like ml kit solves for the barcode QR codes for example when your QR code is not aligned well vertically or horizontally when you're just looking at the camera so it actually tries to align and uh, vertically and horizontally so ML kit solves this kind of issues. And also, for example, when the background noise, when there's so much background noise, it can also uh, detect the QR code better than the other uh, image processing libraries out there. So yeah, it was actually, there are actually different models like version one, version three, 
models inside the ML kit. Uh, they can also, uh, you can also host your uh, model as uh, Tron mentioned and finding your own model up on, on top of that as well. Uh, yeah, it's actually there are lots of different versions of models that you can that you can use. Yeah. Maybe just to complement the, the technical discussions here as well. Uh, the ML Toolkit is a pre-installed app that comes with the Google Glass itself. And then the Google Glass itself is also coming with Android operating system on it. It's not necessarily the latest one, but then I think it was the Oreo, was it, uh, gentlemen? Uh, yes. Yeah. Right. Yep. And, uh, so it comes with, the, uh, with, with its own operating system, the Oreo operating system, and then you can build apps. The only thing that you need to take care of is that the the control functionality of the Google Glass is different than a cell phone. So that's why you need to just take that into account. But otherwise, the libraries, the whole SDK and everything is automatically the same as the uh, Android, uh, Ori Android. Yeah, and, and then so, so so that's the kind of the, the context for, and, and what we're going to work. And then at some point in time, hey, there, there was a lot of enthusiasm to, hey, let's let's do this demo. Let's let's create something here. What, what was your approach to the to design? What 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 should be in the demo? What, what, what not? Could you share a little on that? Because uh, yeah, some cool decisions were made, obviously. Yeah, so so we started out really simple. So we had an idea, and we said, okay, let's try to uh, just hacking the app, which is able to track products. So basically, do some kind of automatic administration for you. So you uh, scan a QR code that indicates that you've seen the product. So we will just show you some message, hey, put it in your trolley and then go to the next product. And slowly, yeah, we incrementally build it up with more functionality. So at some point, uh, we came to it to the idea of adding, for example, navigation. And then we, uh, uh, yeah, we thought about, okay, maybe we can help it with or help the user by um, adding some overlays on top of uh, products or shelves. So it wasn't this big project where we created a very advanced design from the start. It was uh, just a few days of hacking and we just tried out what worked and uh, we incrementally added features to the application. Yeah, that's really what it sounds like. Eh? So you try to see from, hey, this, uh, let's say this product's getting, does it work? Okay, if this works, okay, what would be our next step? And then exploring from there on and seeing uh, what works and what, uh, uh, doesn't work. Were there any things that you said, well, okay, like, like this would be our next step, and then you tried it out, but yeah, in the end it didn't work out eh, because of, I don't know, think you did get to work it and you skipped it and then moved to the another thing because, yeah, in the end you had just a few days. Well, I guess the most uh, funny story there is actually when we developed the app, we, we made the last changes on the Friday uh, prior to the demo week. And well, obviously, well, our plan was to have it finished before lunch so that we could do the testing in the afternoon. But at some point it was five o'clock and we still didn't have a running app. So we were trying to hacking all the last features and well, people were also getting a little nervous around us. So we said, well, we are convinced we'll have it working by Monday. So um, no worries. So on Monday morning, when we started out, the app was working and we tested it. But we noticed, for example, that the QR codes in the shelves, they were uh, placed on top of the shelves. And 
especially for people that are a little bit shorter, it was sometimes hard to recognize the QR codes because they were on top of the shelf. So it wasn't a, a technical issue, but yeah, it, it was sort of funny that we didn't really incorporate that, yeah, that, that, that physical aspect, for example. So we had to make those last minute changes uh, 50 minutes before opening. So there were a few of those uh, minor tweaks that we needed to do. <laughs> it's, it's funny that you really talk about 50 minutes before opening. So you really had a, a, a plan to set up this this warehouse and uh, uh, it really created like a, like an approach that you want to achieve with a specific deadline, so to so to hear. But but in the in the beginning, Turan uh, talked about uh, you said together with uh, with Eric uh, and, and talked about all these ideas, and now we're already in, into the the go live moment, so to, so to say. How did you? Get to run from from this session with with Eric about all the ideas to the to the team and uh, to really to the to the steps to uh, to make uh, all the so programs needed. The initial plan was not immediately for having such a plan like a, for an environment at the Vol.com uh, uh, headquarters, but then I think you had a users day, uh, which was uh, which we we aimed for that one initially, and then due to COVID we had to postpone it and then. We, uh, Eric was quite enthusiastic about the idea and I was quite enthusiastic about the technology as well. So we were really gearing for pushing it towards a cloud day, a, a, the user day. But then when it didn't uh, happen, we were like, a, oh, it's a bummer. So how can we just uh, do this? And then basically like uh, we just had a session at the headquarters and then he just showed me the museum. And why don't we just put this one there? And then I said, well, like, I think we can make it work. And then you know, like uh, he pulled in uh, Niels and Milihin, and then we were able to just start uh, brainstorming uh, around it. And then one thing that is also important to highlight is that we were always just keeping the the end goal, not necessarily only creating something cool in mind, but something that is really tangible and creating value for the end users. So uh, at the end of the day, we also would like to make sure that this is not something that is just displayed in a museum or in a kind of a mock-up setting but something that is really battle tested and also being used in the warehouse productions as well. And that's why that was kind of our, let's say one of the main motivators for us for why we just chased this in the first place, because we are, I mean, it was quite fun to be honest. It was literally a lot of fun, but we didn't motivate ourselves only by fun, but also the fact that we can just bring this to also uh, to like good, good real use to wall.com as well. Which was one of our preparation questions. Uh, do you consider it to be functionally, functionally or technically driven? <laughs> I think you answered uh, the question already with yeah. this, uh, with this uh, storyline. Yeah, exactly. It's a, it's a it, great combination. Yeah. I mean, it, it, having this fun is really great and all, but then at the end of the day, uh, you know, uh, these technologies are developing and it should serve a purpose. And then given that the first failure of, uh, well, not failure, but the learning lessons of the Google Glass in the first place, the B2C angle, I think uh, we need to be a little bit more conscious about what can go wrong and whether it creates value or not. And then I think this project enabled us to see where it can add value directly as well. You said uh, Eric came up with this team. So uh, Meli, you, you, were, you were in a kind of under domain than logistics. So you, but you got in uh, into this with, uh, I think, the data science community or not? It was a surprise for me as well <laughs> to, to get an Eric contact me. Actually, Eric contact my manager 
and then my manager contacted me and I, I don't know still to this today and uh, maybe it's because of our backlog so maybe the managers has compared how our backlog looks like and which Android developer uh, is available at that time uh, because uh, the Google Glass is actually embedded on Android Oreo and we need to do, have an uh, Android developer to to make the app. Yeah, I was surprised to have this uh, approach as well. But you got involved and that that's uh, how the implementation uh, yes. started? Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah so we, we work one day every week and before this day we would have the uh, stand-up like sessions together with Turan and all, all of the people, Niels, and we, we, we would have some brainstorm sessions together as well. So it's kind of move like this. Okay, and then designing eh, for the for the Google Glass or when uh, working with that, eh? what was different in the approach compared to uh, doing yeah the normal Android development for the app that you uh, do? Eh? Because yeah, the, the user interface of the Glass and the, uh, and the mobile different. phone or tablet are quite different. Yeah, true. And normally in our normal uh, day work life, uh, we would have a designer as well as, as an extra. Since we also didn't have so much time and I was trying to actually we are using Figma, for example, in our uh, mobile app for development for the designs. Mm -hmm. And I just wanted to also use the Figma as well for the Google Glass. So I just what I did just I got the dimensions of the Google Glass and trying to do the the demo like a design in, in Figma. And it was also kind of fun for me because I didn't have any Figma skills as a designer so uh, after we did this design on Figma and after sharing the result of it we did just do some small tweaks in the Google Glass because what we did notice is that for example on Google Glass it's not always aligned perfectly on top of your eyes sometimes it's aligned to to right corner sometimes it's aligned to the left corner so some users were not able to see the edges so we also had to think of these cases like we need to give more padding to the edges so the, the the text that we are displaying should be kind of in the middle so that user can focus it whereas in uh, mobile phone or tablets we don't have this kind of uh, constraints hey, and for, for me just uh, this design uh, thing uh, i'm just realizing that i uh, i didn't wear, so i didn't wear the google class so how are you able to to confirm or because you you don't want to have something in your hands, right? So do you need to blink with your eyes to click on something mm -hmm. or how does that work? The Google Glass has the gesture detection. There is this site, I think, how do you call it? Nutra, maybe you can tell. Yeah, That's so on the, the Google Glass uh, comes with a, a frame and the, the device itself and the device is attached to the right-hand side of the uh, frame. And then uh, on the far right, corner of the Google Glass device, there is a pad and it, it acts like a, a kind of a mouse pad. So, uh, and it has the four and no, it has six different types of control. Uh, one is up, like up, down, back and forth and tap and long tap. And these are the only controls available. So, uh, so these are the uh, types of interaction that you would, might, uh, you need to embed your Android app into. But then after that, the rest is pretty much the same. So exactly. So those specialities you also need to take into account when uh, designing for uh, for the, the Google. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. 
Yes, uh, this one of the things that we also had to consider that, uh, for example, we need to have the confirm uh, from the user when you put the product to the shelf. And we first started with the button, and but the on, on Android you can just tap with your uh, finger, and or you can just click it on the tablet. Uh, but on the Google Glass you kind of have like if there is two button you have to kind of swipe and then tap it. It's a little bit hard gesture to do for the users. So what we did for uh, we also introduced the voice commands for users. So if it's if it was hard for users to kind of tap or swipe and tap, we account users also can say confirm and then it's actually action and like a click action and then they can move forward to the next uh, task. And, and then one of the actually big learning points from the demo was also the fact that speech to text or the voice activated controls for the Google Glass works better than hand gestures because people were utilizing it more than the hand gestures itself. So that was a very interesting findings of the whole demo session as well. But, but that was by by watching how the people interacted with the Google Glass during the yeah. demo, then I, I guess. Eh? So the, exactly. well, uh, in the demo, there was also some learning for, OK, how do we use this Google Glass? And or how do yeah, the people were working around in the warehouse, in the demo warehouse? How are they using it? How are they interacting with it? Yeah. Cool. And and uh, you mentioned, uh, uh, yeah, you, you were an Android uh, developer. You actually needed a designer, but there wasn't one, so you did it yourself. Uh, we had some people from uh, uh, from our data science teams. What, what other roles were there? What, what, who did we need to to get to this uh, demo? Yeah, essentially, I mean, like uh, uh, for this one, I I have to say that uh, you know the majority of the work was done pretty much by Niels and Millie uh, because. At some point, I was also kind of kicked out of the, not kicked out, but I was never able to enter to begin with uh, to your internal systems as being an external party. So uh, I couldn't touch the code that is back in the background. But I think if you were to look at this from a wider perspective, I think the, one of the things that Midi has highlighted is very essential, the UX designer, because we did see, I mean, there's also an even an issue around uh, the hardware as well. I mean, there's something that the UX designer cannot do much about, but then the designer is a very critical uh, role that is needed for this making, you know, widely accessible. And, uh, you know, the project management is, of course, needed. Uh, the data scientist is always needed. I mean, like, especially, you know, we just skipped around quite a lot of features uh, that, uh, you know, people like me or Niels could have been very useful of in the long run, it was not there just because of the fact that we didn't have that much time at, the, uh, at our hands. But then, uh, you know, like apart from the functionalities that we used already, uh, a lot more machine learning models can be embedded uh, as well. And that, uh, that's, that requires specialized uh, resources as well. Yeah, exactly. I think this gives a clear overview. And and so we were uh, yeah, working with some uh, data science stuff, creating an Android app on the on the Google Glass. Did did we need specific tools or just normal? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Do you use a normal IDE or what? What else did we use? What kind of libraries did we maybe need? And were they all included on the Google Glass or did we need? Something else, which it's already is available in the Google Cloud. I don't know, maybe some cloud functions or something. 
probably a backend kind of thing, right? Uh, yeah, for, for this demo, actually, we decided not to use the backends because, uh, I mean, you can use Wi-Fi and connect to an endpoints, end but uh, because we had a short time, we just wanted to actually have a static data of products and QR codes okay. and location IDs, and there we just use this static kind of mock-up data <laughs> to move forward with the app. But we did use the, as we already use, uh, we did use the standard tools that we use in our da daily Android developments, like Android Studio and Wiser as well. I think it's a it's a tool that lets you view and control your Androids on your phone. So you can actually connect your Google Glass to your computer and just see a, a visual over, overview of your Google Glass if you don't want to just wear it all the time and code at the same time. <laughs> But you can also do that, and also Figma for for the design as well. I'm saying. Uh, so so th also there, th there was no heavy stuff needed, no really specific things that that are hard to to get by or something. It was oh, yeah. Also on, from the yeah. on technology wise, uh, we did use Jetpack Compose, which is a, a new uh, Google library for Android developers. It's a declarative way of writing UI. So you actually write the UI in Kotlin language. And therefore, I think also uh, it was way better for Niels to work with as well, because the old way is the XML ways, and it's a little bit hard to learn for, for the first beginners as well. Uh, but the JPEG Compose, I think, was useful for us because uh, it's in Kotlin, and it's easy to use, and it's a declarative way to use it. Hey, and uh, yeah, you already gave away that uh, yeah, we didn't get uh, a backend to get to a more production-ready environment. I think we would need something like a backend. What else would we need to to get something like this to to more production-ready? And I know that that we weren't aiming for something like that, but just to get an idea, uh, because that gives you also an idea of the the speed of which which you can really develop something like this, even for pro. Well. Uh, on the on the production ready side, I think one thing that is also important to uh, take into account is that uh, imagine that you deploy this to your warehouses where thousands of machines will be just uh, put. So you really need to have an edge device management system in place for maintenance and also yeah, when you do an update to one machine machinery, you need to be push it down to all these edge devices, right? So that's why actually an edge management system coupled with an IoT management system as well should be ideal as well. Uh, maybe I would add a couple of things as well. Uh, sure. If Because we, we are using machine learning model, maybe uh, it could be better if we can somehow track this, the result of the model, how it's doing, how, how much success it got and how much failure it got. Right now we are not tracking those kind of uh, metrics. So it could be also nice that. And also uh, there are some little bit fine tunings, like uh, if they about the image realization, uh, resolution. If it's uh, too high, then yeah, it's going to be uh, hard to kind of detect the QR code in it because the machine learning goes pixel by pixel. So it's going to take time and increase the latency. So uh, we kind of have to find a nice balance for the image resolution, resolution. And yeah, I think these are the things that I can think of. As well. And maybe to add a little, yeah, as I said, so now we kind of cut corners by making use of QR codes, but there are obviously other ways to do this as well, or a combination of, like, for example, now with all the navigation, 
we literally had to hard code the locations of each QR code, which helped us to navigate the users, which obviously doesn't make sense in, in real practice. Um, you, you can make use of, of, of smarter ways, uh, like for example, weak beacons. And now also, yeah, there was no backend. So for the product itself, we just made some list. And by looking at what was in your trolley, we knew in what list the user was and what tasks to assign to that specific user. Yeah, that obviously doesn't really work uh, if you want to scale up to the real warehouses. Right, but for demo yeah. purposes, it was perfect. <laughs> yeah, so, so exactly. So that's kind of a demo app with uh, within that Android device uh, uh, within the Google Glass. But usually that, that, that information comes from a warehouse management system, right? And then you have to interact with uh, with that system. Like they now have in the warehouse with an Android device, uh, a handheld device. The, and that's interesting as well. If you think about what's going on on that device, that's a lot of uh, information as well. So if you really want to replace it all to the Google Class, then that's a nice uh, nice thought. But, uh, so I'm looking at the, the, on that front, looking at the other examples that is already being utilized in the other warehouses and such, the way that it works is that uh, not only just the Google Glass itself, but also the finger scanners, which is also uh, being utilized in connection with uh, the Google Glass. And then you would have the, let's say, the warehouse operating system, the handheld scanner, staying where they are, because basically, you know, like you just want to keep the uh, users hands free, but still like a real time transferring data from the, uh, the handheld scanners into the Google Glass. And, and because Google Glass has Bluetooth connection in it as well, which means that you can couple it with the finger scanners. And then uh, basically, you know, for the places where the QR code scanner or the barcode scanner falling short, you can complement it with uh, this, let's say, another hardware, and then make an ecosystem of devices that work together. And then uh, you just uh, make a much more efficient, uh, let's say, operation. Yeah, so it's it's not replacing, it's it's making the perfect combination for an operator exactly. in a warehouse. Yeah. Are there also some, some, some real locations uh, to run uh, operating like that? Uh, yeah, I mean, we have a, a we have a few public use cases that is already uh, being utilized. DHL and Samsung is, for example, two of the customer use cases uh, that is like public reference from the Benelux region. But uh, there are also other use cases from outside of the logistics and warehouse operations, especially in the healthcare sector. So uh, another uh, aspect that Google, uh, Google Glass can do is that it comes with a pre-built Google Meet in it, which means that uh, you can just have a video call and then you can have the person see, looking at what you're seeing in real time, which means that for a healthcare operator, for example, in a, you know, a old, old people's house or uh, in a hospital, they can literally just monitor the existing environment and provide let's say real-time support to a nurse or a caretaker and so forth. So, and then that's also some of the other use cases that we see quite a lot as well. But then uh, from the warehouse pro, uh, pro operations perspective, both Samsung and DHL has a few, let's say public references around this. Uh, you already explained that, that uh, towards the, uh, the the moment that you wanted to go live, uh, yeah. that you had quite some, some stress. Um, but you but you managed uh, you uh, you had a, had a setup uh, running yeah so so far about the implementation let's go to yeah what we learned from it 
talking about learnings, we also talk about uh, what what uh, items did you need to uh, to overcome, what hurdles. So yeah, what, what hurdles were there and uh, how did you overcome them? So uh, maybe just to begin with the hardware, yeah, because uh, I did, uh, during the session, we did hand out feedback forms and asking people to give us, uh, let's say, uh, marks. Uh, on the and then we we collected more than 150 I guess like feedback on the usage and then you know we were really I think like uh, the team should be very humbled by the great feedback I think the like I, I the overall score was about 4.5 about the user experience but then uh, we also asked them to write down some uh, hardware specific uh, feedback as well one thing that was really interesting to see was that we had a person who was blind on the right eye and then for him it was impossible for to use google glass because google glass only embeds the right hand side of the frame and i bring that back to the product management look we are you know we we at google we are really all about you know being able to reach all the users irrespective of their uh, you know like uh, capabilities and they just took that as a, a very dear, let's say, feedback. And that was one of the uh, uh, feedback, like hardware specific one. The second one was that the, the experience that the, the Google Glass has with a person having already glasses. So we have two types of frames. One is uh, coming with a frame that is like a, the Google Glass embedded into an existing like hard frame. And then we have another one, which is a metallic small light frame that is attached to a glass. And so if you are wearing a glass, so you wear that on top of your existing glasses and the experience for that one was not that great as well. So uh, those were the two main hardware related uh, feedback that I brought back to PMs. And then we got already some good news around that. So uh, they, there is a new iteration that will be happening next year. And those were already something that was heard from the other customers as well. And the new version will be taking the feedback already into account. And talking about uh, visibility issues, I know that there's a discussion going on in our UX uh, teams about uh, usage of specific color schemes. So you're triggering me. Do you use specific colors? And is it also harder for people with uh, disabilities in that aspect? For instance, myself uh, with red and green, it's hard to uh, distinguish. Well, I mean, in that sense, yes, that's a design question that needs to be addressed during the, I think we did that already during like Emilia and Emils, they did that already, but then yes, that's definitely something that needs to be taken into account. But from the software perspective, Niels or Emilia will can elaborate on the details, how we approach this. Uh, yeah, we actually just decided to first uh, use the, the bold.com colors and, and then trying to do the color uh, like in under the sun, how the color looks like, and if there is too much light, if there is too less light. Uh, I, I already forgot what's called. It's in design. There is a term for it. Something color something. What? Uh, but of course, uh, or there there is also Google Material Design guidelines that we actually couldn't have time to look for as well. So the Google also provides some guidelines for ML kits using ML kit with Google Glass. Uh, so that yeah, we can uh, leverage this. Okay, so so uh, Turan, you touched upon the uh, things you learned for the for the hardware part. Uh, any more of them, or should we go over to the next topic? Well, 
I think there were a few learnings, maybe from a different perspective. So if you zoom out a little, the thing that, that I um, learned a lot from is that because there is a limited amount of time, uh, if there was a little uh, limited amount of time available for this project, you're really forced to um, go for this iterative approach. And it's a classical learning by, again, making things smaller. And that's what we also have seen here. So um, I'm a data scientist. I, re I mostly work on the innovation side. And I think uh, one of the big components to make uh, your explorative project successful is to have that iterative component in there, right? So to make it small, see if it works, and adjust to that. And that's what we really did within this project. And that really helped us to get something valuable in a limited amount of time. So that was one of the yeah, major learnings that, uh, that I took from, uh, from this project. And why well, I also maybe uh, next to that, so, so I'm a data scientist. I'm, yeah, I mostly work uh, with Python. And for me, it was also a really nice learning opportunity to work with, well, in this case, mainly an Android developer working in a Kotlin-based uh, application and to also see how they develop stuff. So for me, it was uh, yeah, also a big, a very big learning opportunity, which I really liked. Uh, from from my side, I would say uh, the ML kit is a big learning for me because I. I didn't know so much about it at first, and then we did see that we could use custom models, we could use Firebase, we could host the models in Firebase and actually use Firebase to get the models uh, by Wi-Fi, and or we can just uh, use the embedded models and to see the difference between that. And also, I didn't before I didn't ever work with the small screens, and then working with the small screens and how the challenges are. And solving these challenges like the having two buttons in small screen and there is no touch area like you have you should you should swipe first to write and then click that buttons and get the google glass experience and the ml kit i would say in, in sum up yeah but well, i think the, the other interesting question that we have let us uh Will we take it to the to the current warehouses, right? Yeah. What did we discover? Will we take something from this uh, to to our current warehouses? Are we going to use some of the technology there? So uh, as a follow up, I think uh, yes. This was like I said at the, from the very beginning. That was also the intention. So we were just uh, discovering such option at the moment. Uh, like luckily enough, uh, there was a quite a lot of uh, attendance as well as some uh, highlights of the whole exercise throughout the whole organization. And together with uh, Eric and also uh, my counterparts also at Google and also uh, your counterparts at the ball.com, we are right now just uh, reaching out to various stakeholders, especially in the warehouse operations side, mm. just to see whether there can be a POC uh, that can be just triggered, like that can be uh, tested out. And hopefully in the upcoming months, there will be a concrete use cases. Uh, and then actually like one thing that I might also highlight is that we are even the the, the 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 session got even attention from your sister company over time and then now we are even just uh, discovering whether we can just do something similar there also at the over time side as well yeah and i can also imagine that uh, given that there are i don't know 40,000 uh, other retailers on our platform 
that could also be interesting for them also because uh, some of their operations in the warehouses aren't that large as ours and then it's even easier to implement uh, uh, there so I, yeah it would be also uh, interesting to uh, to check these uh, yeah. uh, possibilities because also from my perspective i've visited a few of them uh, it's very fortunate and they kind of look alike. So if you can come with solutions for one, you can come with a solution probably for 10,000 of them. That could be, yeah, sounds interesting. Yeah. But I'm, I'm just, uh, noticing that I'm starting to think like Eric here, who's yeah, really <laughs> enthusiastic if one idea is sparked and then get, kind of gets ahead of himself, maybe, but uh, <laughs> it's fun to notice. <laughs> I also received some some questions from um, the Excel uh, warehouses, specifically for those warehouses where you really benefit from having your hands free or, or available. So as you can imagine, if you need to pick up a big microwave or oven, then uh, it is really useful to have your hand both your hands available and let the Google Glass uh, do the rest for you. Let's see uh, what's possible there. So yeah, and the other question was indeed about the partners. Uh, Peter Paul suggested to in, uh, share it with other partners. Did we already do that, or are we t intending to do it to share it with other partners besides Albert Heijn? I mean, it, at the moment, uh, the impression that I got from uh, Ball.com is that uh, you know, Ball.com is a great engineering company, and you want to do these things yourself, and which I really, really respect. But normally, uh, these things are, for other companies, these things are predominantly handled by our partner ecosystem. We have a very large ecosystem also existing in the Netherlands who have already built-in systems associated with that. But uh, with Paul.com, we are not, as far as I know, at least so far, is that, uh, you know, given your engineering culture in place, we are heading towards a different direction there. Yeah. Yeah, that's, so that's the partner aspect for uh, uh, the, the building part, uh, as you might think of it. But uh, like Peter Paul is referring to with partners, is, is also the sellers on our uh, platform. Yeah. So they can make use of yeah, benefits. That might be, like, I mean, that's a yeah. brilliant idea, right? So we might just uh, open it out. So, so, like, you know, expand the ecosystem further, which might be very uh, compelling uh, as well. But yeah. I think we need to first prove it also here at Ball.com first. For sure. Yeah. And afterwards, we will just expand. Hands-free yeah. operating via Bobotrom, uh, new service. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and also, it also it, it all started with the uh, intention to have it demoed at the Inspiration Day, and I guess that's also one of the big, uh, yeah, uh, big pluses of this demo is to get to inspire all our colleagues within Bobotrom, like what we can do with the latest technology and yeah. product discovery. Well, then I think that that was achieved. At least you inspired me, and I hope also our <laughs> listeners, because I think that it also, yeah, at least with me, sparks a lot of other ideas, and 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 I think that there are more people in our in our company like like that, and I think that there's also quite some opportunities uh, that that go with it. It's so awesome. So I think, Pete, we should go to our to our final question, right? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what, what's ahead. your what's your um, yeah your most important takeaway? What do you really want uh, our listeners to know after having listened to, to this podcast? Well, uh, from my side, I think being able to test. Uh, I mean, if you were to look at what we have done, it's kind of testing the boundaries of the technology of what is available today. So uh, 
I mean, uh, Google Glass is a great piece of technology that is bringing very advanced technologies such as machine learning to the edge and to the end user, enabling some services that wasn't thought to be available to end users before. And for that one, I was really impressed the capabilities coming from Ball.com side, being able to test this, uh, this capability in a very seamless and a, in a short period. So uh, for me, that was the biggest takeaway. And then hopefully we will be just seeing more of that coming forward. But then this was, a, like, a, like I said, this was a, a very clear case where the technologies can generate value with uh, like uh, the developing technologies can create value. Yeah, for me, it's uh, what I've already said. It's a bit of an open goal, but if you're working on the innovation side and you're working on those explorative projects, um, make it simple and cut corners in order to test it as fast as possible to see if it works and based on that, iterate and uh, move on. And don't go completely nuts by making this a massive project and then only being able to test it after uh, one year. You're still writing your business case by by now, if you would have approached it like that, <laughs> probably. Yeah. I, I agree to Niels as well, uh, to, to just doing an MVP in a short time, kind of prove that with a small amount, in, in a small amount of time, you can actually build nice things with the ML kits and with the Google Glass and it's edge of the technology as well. And so there's actually lots of use cases that you can do with it in warehouse. And for me, it was a little bit also learning about our warehouse process as well. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for sharing all this. And uh, yeah, it sparked a lot of enthusiasm with me and uh, I hope also with our uh, listeners. And uh, yeah, I'm sure that uh, yeah, some great things will, uh, will come from this. Thanks for sharing all this with us. Thanks guys for sharing. Cool. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you liked the episode, check some of the others. Go to Spotify or iTunes, search for TechLab and subscribe. Leave a five-star review so others can find the podcast easier and spread the word. We like interactions, so if you have any questions or suggestions, find us on Twitter, LinkedIn or mail techlab at ball.com. Hope to meet you in our next episode. Have fun!